Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Hey, this is the Non-Fungible Podcast, NFP with D. Klein. Now proudly sponsored by the Koi Network, where you can mint atomic NFTs on-chain and get paid when your creations attract real traffic. Now you can find this podcast and you can dive deeper into blockchain trends on Cointelegraph magazine. Just go to www.cointelegraph.com magazine. Today, my guest is the multi-talented Tara Naomi. Hey, it's Tara Naomi on NFP. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I had my internet blow up literally about 10 minutes before <laughs> the podcast. I go to, to, to chat with you and drop you the link and I'm like, uh, I can't open Zoom. And uh, <laughs> it's the worst feeling, right? Definitely. Yeah, it's always it's always when it happens too. It never yeah. happens when you're just like sitting around and I mean, maybe it does. Maybe it happens all the time. We just don't notice it until we go to, to use it or something. Well, that's but, a fair uh, point. It's like, I don't know if you ever barbecue and you got the propane tank, right? It only runs out when you're my, yeah, okay. way but it only runs out life. when you're barbecuing because that's, of course, when you're using it you when know you're what I mean? using it right yeah 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 it's the whole the tree falling <laughs> in the forest thing right mm -hmm. like we don't we don't know otherwise it might be <laughs> the internet might be out all day and then like magically come on for just a little bit of time and then go back into its little little hole it's kind of a quantum thing it's only there when we're looking at it yeah it might whoa. be hmm. whoa interesting interesting thought i was actually doing a little bit of you know i always do this before the show i kind of research the guests <laughs> and I was looking at your song that you had. Now, you you were saying this is actually from a while ago, this song, Say It's Possible. Yeah. On Async. From yeah. You, I was watching a little clip of you saying that this was on Universal. Yeah. And then somehow it got released from that. And you're now you have like full like custody or whatever, what you call that. Well, so what happened was I wrote the song in 2006 okay. and I posted an acoustic version of it on YouTube mm -hmm. and it kind of blew up on there and, and I became the, the first musician to um, win the best music video award and I became the first musician to sign a record deal off of YouTube. Um, wow. You know, before Bieber, before like those <laughs> before folks. Before Bieber, okay. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> My and, daughter yeah. when she was little was a massive Bieber fan. Yeah, I of course, every of every 10 year old daughter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah so um, I wrote it in 2006 and I put it up on YouTube and it just kind of took on a life of its own and people started covering it all around the world. And um, and I, I won the best music video award for uh, for the song that year. Allow me to I, interrupt. Your voice oh, yeah. is beautiful in it. Thank it's, you. It's gorgeous. It's a beautiful song. Well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that happened. And, um, and then I became the first musician on the platform to sign a major label deal. I signed with Universal Music Publishing and Island Records. And, you know, at the time I just, I didn't, in 2006, there wasn't, um, a really clear path for independent artists. And mm. to be honest, there hasn't really been a sustainable one until now with NFTs, in my opinion, because I mean, crowdfunding was kind of the next phase of, right of web two, you know, mm -hmm. and it was like, first we were building all these platforms for, you know, for YouTube, for Instagram, for all, you know, whatever. And now then, then came crowdfunding where it was like, 
this kind of promise of turn your your fans into your marketing team and raise all the cash you need and then you know you can promote everything on your own and that's not really true either because right. fans aren't incentivized to promote your art everybody has a, has their own lives to sure. you know to work with and um and so what really excites me about the nft space in particular well so many things excite me on like every level <laughs> from the actual innovation that's possible to the actual structuring of financial models that work for artists, you know? And um, and I feel like NFTs are kind of making good on the promise of what was started so long ago in, you know, 2006, when there was this big excitement around the idea of artists creating and going right to our listeners or right to our collectors, mm -hmm. you know? That didn't really happen in a sustainable way until now, because now right. it's like our collectors are actually incentivized to see us do well as artists because they they're they're participating partners in our careers you know right so and i think visual artists have always kind of had that model it's mm. not such a new thing for okay. visual artists although it's the the idea of it being so easy to promote and share you know with with the addition of the digital you know the digital world come coming into play which just makes things so much more you know quick to like viral, really, you know, a piece of art and an artist can just suddenly blow up in this way that I don't think, I mean, you definitely see that happen somewhat in the, in the physical art world, but not in the same way. Right. You know, so, but, but musicians, we really never had anything like this. And I think mm -hmm. as an aside, that's also why music is kind of the, one of the last things to really, well, that's not true film also, but, but music is a harder, a harder medium to like, translate into nfts than right. visual art because the precedent was there for visual art of having collectors and having you know people are used to paying for your work with uh with music everybody's used to getting it for free sure largely in part to probably what i helped to lay the groundwork for in in bringing music onto youtube you know yeah, yeah. so but at any rate um so yeah the song I wrote in 2006, it had its own life. I signed with this label. I ended up in this kind of um, oppressive deal, which is very common mm -hmm. for major label artists. Um, and for every one that you hear about that's a big success, there's like a ton of artists that, not a ton, but probably like 10 artists or so for every one that like really blows up. There's maybe, maybe 10 or so, that's just an estimate of folks who really get into a kind of a bad situation and mm. end up doing end up in a situation that probably isn't as good as if they had just not signed the deal in the first place. Is it a case of like, you know, the fine print kind of idea? And then you're like, oh, shoot, I didn't realize I was signing to this or what? No, it's not really that. It's I think everybody goes into it sort of expecting that things are going to go well. The yep. label doesn't sign you unless they think they can make a lot of money on you. But unfortunately, with the very, you know, with the big indie labels is a different story. But with the major labels, they really have one formula. You know, and it's like, take something that already has a lot of momentum, mm -hmm. throw it up against the wall. If it sticks, add more gasoline to the fire, you know, okay. um, take a song that sounds like a single, take it to radio. If it blows up, put more money into it, throw more money, more resources, more marketing power behind the artist. If it doesn't blow up, if it doesn't catch fire immediately, you know, toss it out. Just chuck it aside and move on. Yeah, chuck it aside and move on, and that person becomes a tax write-off. You know, becomes right. a loss. So mm. again, so you like, found that yeah. they weren't like once that first initial maybe boom was there, they just kind of abandoned you, kind of idea. Well, no, it was more like the initial boom happened really organically from okay. what I created on my own with YouTube, right. 
And when I handed everything over, I, I thought, you know, I'm this new artist. What do I know? This is a this is a huge company with all these resources. Well, and who wouldn't in that position be excited yeah. about signing to a major label? Well, at that time, too. Sure. You know, I mean, and to be to be completely honest, the amount of money that they offered me was so much. And mm-hmm. I was in debt. I had, you know, yeah, yeah, ten thousand dollars in credit card bills, you know. So I didn't know how I was gonna pay my rent month to month. And right. so the amount of money was so significant that I don't know that I'd be able to turn it down today in that same position, even knowing right, what we right. know, like there's so many more paths now for independent artists. And that's also what I'm excited about with NFTs is like it presents another path for someone to fund their own career and to mm-hmm. see like, oh, maybe I can sell enough just to get by so that I don't have to sign all my rights away just long enough that I can actually build something sustainable for myself versus you know being stuck being forced to make a decision that maybe won't make sense a little further down the line makes sense now because i don't have any money and i can't you know pay my bills but it's it's not such an a feast or famine thing like you can get by more you know you can sell sell some art sell enough just to mm-hmm. to get by while you're building this thing that you then own and you control but that didn't exist in 2006 and frankly it didn't really exist until very recently you know, and so, um, so I'm lost. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> We're just having a conversation. It's good. What I wanted to ask you was, you know, this is kind of cool with async because you can kind of change the arrangements arrangements oh, of this song. Yeah, which I thought was a really neat feature that you have that there that you can kind of tweak it in a sense yeah but let me just finish telling you how i even got to use the song again because that's a piece that i left out so Mm -hmm. like i had signed all my rights away and it just so happened that earlier this year as i was exploring what i wanted to do with nfts and blockchain and art and music uh, I found out that my rights reverted back to me. And it's really funny because I was I was all prepared. Like I wrote an email to Universal Music and I was mm-hmm. just like, you know, you know, to whom it may concern. Like I was all yeah, formal and I'm like, I'm legalese. writing to inquire about reclaiming my publishing. You know, it was <laughs> Why like do we very... talk like Shakespeare when we're doing legal writing? I don't get it. But anyway, I know. Yes. Well, I was writing to London. It was a London <laughs> office. So maybe that's okay. why. <laughs> but I made it all formal. And like, and I was like, you know, I would like to inquire about like how to reclaim my publishing and da da da. And I was like anticipating this whole thing where I'd have to raise a certain amount of money to buy myself out of my contract. Or right. And they, I get this email back that's just like, actually, your your rights revert back to you this year. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, okay, thanks. I was like, oh, thanks. Okay. And I'm like, so that's it? Like, that's all I have to do? You know, I and can't just storm like... out of here and slam the door. I just get it back. <laughs> yeah, I just get it. They're like, no. And so I called, I called BMI, which is my performing rights organization and made sure that like, and they were, and I was like, what do I have to do? They're like, we just change everything over to your, you know, you, you as the, you know, I'm like, oh. Was it just okay. something where it's just like a statutory type thing where it just expires after a given amount of time kind of thing? Well, or? it doesn't always. I think that my attorney at the time, because I had a lot of bargaining power at the time, because I had several labels that wanted to sign me and I was meeting with everybody and I had this big sort of whirlwind, like a bidding war kind of thing. Sure. So I had a lot of leverage and my attorney put a put a reversion clause in there that after 15 uh, years, all uh. of my rights would revert back to me. And I, to be honest, I didn't even know that. I, he, I'm sure he told me. <laughs> yeah, like I'm sure he told me, but I, but I didn't remember. You so, bought him a coffee. Uh, I mean, I paid him five percent of everything. That's so pretty good. A few coffees, at least mm-hmm. a few coffees. Um, so, so yeah, so so with async, I was, you know, the story of the song, how it kind of came up through this 
community embracing of it. And that was what launched the song in the first place was all these folks in the YouTube community covering it. And they were covering mm -hmm. this song by this unknown artist. And, and there were, you know, thousands of covers of this song. There's still several hundred of them up there. Um, and I have a playlist yeah, yeah. on my YouTube channel. That's like, of just of every time I find a new cover, I just started adding it on there. There's a few okay. hundred of them, mm -hmm. but, um, that I found, but so, um, so I thought, you know, about sort of the origin of the song and how it then kind of escaped me and was, was, went off and, you know, was controlled by this big company and I didn't have control over my music anymore and the sound of my music. And, and it really alienated a lot of those, uh, fans and, and a lot of my audience on YouTube who really mm. liked, you know, my sort of my, the indie spirit of my sure. music and, mm -hmm. and, but there was, you know, there was no way to make any money at it, on it at the time. And I had to do what I had to do. But um, I thought it would be really, really cool to kind of call back to that and do something that was interactive. And I'd been thinking at the time before I, before I connected with Async, I had been thinking about, you know, what do I do? Do I, I mean, one of the ideas I had was kind of similar to what Kanye just did, but I don't have Kanye's resources, of course, but like <laughs> of, of putting stems up and letting people make their own mix of it and mm -hmm. like having something that ranges from, you know, the ability to make something that's like, strictly acoustic to like all these layers of sound and you can mix it. And so I had that idea and then started looking into it and it was just beyond my reach as far as like the resources needed to build sure. a platform or an app. Well, like and it'd that. be a pretty major technical undertaking too, I would guess. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And not something I could do. Um, and not something I had the resources to hire out for. So then I heard about async and I was like, Oh, wait a minute. This sounds like exactly what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And it kind of was, it kind of isn't like there's, it's not like everybody can just go on there and make a mix and mint it. It's, it's, you know, the song is divided into the layers, mm -hmm. the stems, and you can, you know, the owner of the stem can, can decide which version of that stem. Like, so there's, you know, several guitar parts, several vocal parts, and you can mix and match in that sense. But the only person who can change the versions that you hear in the master mix is the collector, the owner of the layer of okay. the stem. So it's the same as the art side, you know, um, someone buys the guitar stem and that's what they call the layers in the music part. Someone mm -hmm. buys the guitar stem that has two different variations. That person gets to choose which version of the, of the guitars everybody hears in the master layer. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, you know, all the layers are autonomous and can be controlled by different people and then the main song the main master layer is is the combination of all those choices that are made by the individual collectors of the individual stems and right. you know similar to the the art the visual art projects the music projects on async um, are also connected to a visual piece of art mm -hmm. so um, every time, you know, there's, there's 480 potential versions of my song, uh, depending on the choices that are made by the people who own those stem layers. Mm -hmm. And so there's like 480 different configurations of the mix and the corresponding album art. So the art's always changing the music when, whenever the music changes. 480 possibilities. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> well it's kind of a mathematical thing right like i mean if you think about yeah. all the parts that you had and then all the different possibilities that's very cool i yeah, actually so, yeah. now i'm technically i'm on async now because of the guild ah, i, I haven't right. actually minted anything on it yet because it's a little bit i gotta wrap my head around how to take advantage of the platform yes right yep. because so far any art that i've done has just been like 
static, relatively speaking, or perhaps like a GIF or something. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, before async, this wasn't really being done. Right. I mean, there were definitely, you know, there were definitely some digital artists that were playing with changing states of mm -hmm. things, but that was way out of the reach of artists who don't have coding skills. Sure. You know, and what async did is, is create these templates for artists without, you know, advanced coding skills to be able to make interactive programmable art. And it, you know, it's, it's like, it's basically like a different medium in and of itself. Right. Yeah. So it's really exciting. Yeah, I want to, when I do mint on it, I want it to be something that takes advantage of the platform. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like to just put up something that's just a single layer, you know, PNG feels like, okay, that's not really right. what async is for, you know? So, I mean, there is the, there is like the autonomous changing layers, which are really cool. And yeah. you can do like, mm -hmm. you know, different states. And so it doesn't have to be, you don't have to do the layered piece where, right. where you get, you know, um, where you have like all sorts of alternate versions of it and it changes in the master. You can also, with the art side, you can also do it where it's changing, you know, daytime, nighttime, and you just have right. like two, two different versions of the same piece. Or like, I probably should do that with yeah. a zombie and somebody or something. But that's kind that of That would thing. be fun. You know, I could do a nice and a zombie. You know, that'd be fun. That would be so fun. I love that yeah, idea. Yeah, 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 that'd be fun. To like try. pre and post apocalypse or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pre and post zombie apocalypse. Totally. The day before, yeah. the day after. I kind of like that. Yeah. Well, that's because I always flip between those, right? I always do zombies and then I do beautiful people. Like I, oh, that's those perfect. Those are the two kind of styles I do. So that's very cool. Yeah. No, I'll have to try it. I'll have to explore it. You know, I was looking though, like you're of course not just on async. You also have work on OpenSea. You have work on foundation. I thought this one on uh, foundation was really cool. This jump swing uh, audio visual that oh, you did. Oh, thanks. That was really neat. The music just perfectly suits what's happening visually. So <laughs> in terms of creating that was that something where you did that in reaction to the visuals or how did that happen so yeah so that one um that one the visuals were actually inspired you'll see like some little circles there yeah. the visuals were inspired by a combat so, so my my collaborator in that is soul curry art mm -hmm. um a really wonderful artist named ishita uh, banerjee and um and her style is cubism and in sort of like a modern, like a more modern current version of Cubism. And my, obviously I'm a musician, but I also do visual stuff. And I did this series uh, called Bubbles, which is like sort of the bright and cheery counterpart to my, you know, dark music. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> it's like, I kind of bounce between two worlds. It's either yeah, like super bright thing. and cheery, yes. or it's like all despair. But um, you just you can't. I feel like I can't stay in one space for too long me before too. I feel like flipping to the other space, right? And then I get me tired too. of that and I flip back. It's good to have you know two different very yeah, I think so. modes of existence, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So so she so we wanted to collaborate on something on a on like a process video type thing that I because I what I do is I've been I score process I've been scoring process videos for my other collabs like with there's a collaboration I did with um, Sabet the artist Sabet uh, and and it's okay. um, I did one with him too. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Oh my god! Amazing. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. He's awesome. He's, yeah. He's wonderful. Yeah, sure. he's one of my favorite people in the space. He's a very nice guy. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I have to see the piece you did with him. That's I'll great. show it to you. It's on Known Origin. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we did a piece and he sent over a, a process video and I scored it. But what I do with my bubbles, what I like, the way that I like to do this, like my kind of distinct compositional style when mm -hmm. I do, when I score an audiovisual piece is to take every movement and score it the way that I would score film and television, which is like really make something that is specific, not just put a track behind it, you know, not right. that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not what I like to do. I like to really score it the way I would score any piece of like visual, you know, like the way I'd score a piece of film, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I have that going on where every movement is, is, has a is attached an, to like a musical element exactly yeah, yeah exactly and and the visual for that one was inspired by my bubbles piece which is like this series of bubbles that kind of come out and and appear and then fill in and every motion every visual change in the bubbles pieces also has an audio sound and so mm -hmm. my like my goal with it is just to make it look like it sounds and vice versa and so um and also it kind of stems from the fact that like when I, when I look at something, I hear, I hear sounds, I hear what it sounds like in my head. And so that was what I started trying to capture with the bubbles stuff. And so Ishita used the, the bubbles as an inspiration for sort of the colors and also even putting some of them into her piece, like uh, copying them from one of the still images that I had of the bubbles. And then, um, and then I scored it after mm -hmm. that. It just reminds me of like, you know, the human behavior when we're describing something visually, sometimes we'll yeah. associate a sound with it. We'll go, you know, it did this, it went boop or whatever, right? And of course it didn't go boop, but you know, that's what in your mind yes. you're, you're thinking of the sound or whatever, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. So with that, I mean, you've done a number of these kind of pieces here. Are these all collaborative then or were they... The first one was not collaborative. The first one I decided I wanted because I do this that sort of adaptation piece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. yeah. And I and I try to. One of the things that I do musically is I do these instrumental compositions and mm -hmm. um, and film and television stuff. And I had all these instrumental compositions, and I'm like, oh, now there's a way for me to share those that really makes sense. And so I started learning. You know, I, I used to do a lot of physical sculpture with clay mm. and also okay. with um, marble. My favorite, my favorite was marble and clay. And so I worked with a lot of that um, a while ago. You're another and... one of these people that's just good at everything. <laughs> <laughs> like I look at your link tree and it's like, I think this is the longest link tree I've ever seen. Or well, it's not technically link tree, it's oh, ffm.bio. I mean, the amount of stuff you're long. creating is Sorry. amazing. No, that's not, it's not a criticism. <laughs> Like you're like this multi-talented person. It's a little, I don't know. I, I guess you're, yeah, you're right. I should just own it. It's true. <laughs> yeah, you should own it. I should just own it. I know. <laughs> and and it's it's hard though, because I think that that sometimes makes things more chat. It makes it harder to like focus on one thing. Yes. Because there's so many things that I love to do and I get inspired to do all these different things. And now it's mm -hmm. like in the NFT space, it's just gotten even more convoluted in a sense. I mean, I actually convoluted <laughs> is the wrong word. Like I actually think that there is a way and I'm going to nail it. I'm going to figure this out, how everything can actually benefit, like how it can all be additive as mm -hmm. opposed to like this kind Pulling of notion. you in different directions, right? Right, right. Yeah. I want it to all be additive. And I think that mm -hmm. that is entirely possible. Um, and Let that's me ask I'm, you a question. I'm going to interrupt yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. I'm similar in that I like having lots of different kinds of things going on, right? Yeah. Do you ever find that it's too much all the platforms? Like, you know, I'll be like, oh, you should join this platform. So you join the platform and then you're uh. like, okay, so now I got to have something happening here too, right? Like, you know, yeah. like, uh, how do you deal with that? I don't deal with it that well, to be honest. <laughs> like, okay. I have that reaction with um, 
social media, you know, and it's like, I mean, the number of platforms that I'm on as a musician also, mm-hmm. it's absurd. That's why my link tree is so long. Or it's not a link tree, but my, my FM yeah, yeah. link. We, whatever. All, we all call it a link tree. It's like yeah. Kleenex. It's like Kleenex, you know? it's, yeah, yeah. our Band-Aid. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Um, yeah. But but like, but it's it's really, um, it's challenging. And, and I tend to kind of do what you're not supposed to do. I'm, I need to get better. I'm really good at it when I'm helping other people or working mm-hmm. with other people. But mm. when it's my own stuff, I just, you know, it's harder to, for me to find the, the discipline to do, to set up a plan and do and stick to it. Cause like I'll do, you know, Instagram, I'll post on Instagram for a while and then I'll just yep. be like, Oh, I'm so sick of this. <laughs> and I won't touch it for like weeks. And so I mess up my whole okay. like engagement metrics and stuff. And then I go on, you know, Twitter. Yep. Oh my God. Twitter. I hadn't touched in years mm. because I mean, occasional tweet. Like I was posting stuff at, at the beginning of this year. I just, I was like, wait, we have to go back on Twitter. You know, cause that's like <laughs> Twitter, the, the NFTs. Sorta, if you're not oh on Twitter God. with NFTs, forget about it. Like, forget not, it. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. Like I, I got out of Twitter probably right around the, the first, the 2016 election cycle in the oh, US. Yeah. You don't because... want to be on Twitter in the 2016 election cycle. No, I was like, I'm out. I can't yeah. take this anymore. That was pretty much when Facebook and Twitter were just like, I called like, I called it quits for, for the it's most like, part. Want to be depressed? Spend an hour on Twitter. Yeah, no, it became yeah. this, this awful toxic place. And I just wasn't interested in spending any time on there. And so then this year when everybody's like, oh, you know, crypto Twitter is the place. I'm like, no, but <laughs> it's been amazing. It's like Twitter. It's totally like a revival. different experience. It's a completely different experience. Just dependent upon <laughs> who you're following. And right? you just have to follow positive people. Yeah. That's all yeah. it is. Yeah. It's amazing. And you have right? to like not, you have to, it, it, I find that it requires like really strong sense of like mental like discipline mm-hmm. and not you know like it's i'm really... not gonna engage in this right. i'm gonna walk away <laughs> and i'm not gonna like search for this keyword right. i'm not okay. gonna like because sometimes i'll go on there and i'll know something's going on you know that it's almost like looking at a train wreck when you like mm-hmm. you know or a car crash and you just you got you should just keep driving by first of all it's none of your business mm-hmm. second of all if you do see it you're probably not going to like what you see so mm-hmm. like just don't look you know, but it requires a lot of discipline to not look. It does. You know, and that's the same with like social media. And I think, um, yeah, I find it really challenging. It's like the minute I got into Twitter again, then somebody's like, oh, you need to be on TikTok. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake, really? <laughs> so so know, are you using TikTok? I, you know, I signed up, I posted like a couple things for like three days and then I just couldn't <laughs> handle it anymore. Yeah. I, so TikTok is just a bridge too far for me. It's just <laughs> forget it. That's I mean, I, that's where I draw the yeah. line. I'm sorry. I've got Twitter. I've got Instagram. I know. Uh, you know, the amount of like discord channels I have to oh, be yeah, in. Discord. And then Hell yeah. Telegram. Oh yeah. You know, and then I got like, I get people on my show and they're like, yeah, I'm starting a discord community. I have 500 oh, members and I go in there. Yeah. I'm like, how do you do all this? Like, how do you keep up with all of this? Right? Like I get that FOMO thing where I'm like, I should probably be doing that. Yeah. Right. So. But you know what? It's like you can go. I feel like this is a, actually a really important. Actually, this is important. Now, this is like <laughs> as opposed to everything else we've been talking about. This is the this important is, part. Listen right. to this part. I do feel like this is a really important point, though, and important topic, because I was just thinking about it this morning, actually, how 
you're always missing something. Sure. Like there's always something going on. Mm-hmm. And like there's always a project that you didn't hear about, you know, like a like a generative project. That's like the the biggest <laughs> thing right now, right? So there's always totally. like a generative and you're like, oh my God, I didn't get one of those. Oh no, and now they're 0. 0.5. I could have got it for 0. 0.03. And like, you know, like there's, you can go so deep into FOMO and mm-hmm. like, and you can also end up making a lot of really bad decisions that way. But yes. like you can kind of get caught up um, in, in feeling like you can't keep up and, and feeling like, you know, there's so many things going on all the time. And I have to constantly remind myself that like, I can only, you know, I can do what I can do and mm-hmm. I'm not going to get in on every great project. I'm not gonna, you know, be the best at every single social media platform. Right. I'm not going to, you know, win everything. Like, I'm not gonna like, you know, it's like, I'm going to get in, you know, I'm going to know about what I know about. I'm going to, you know, you could just spend your entire life immersed in all of this stuff only. Yes. But then it's like, well, what about creating art? Yeah. That's a pretty important part of it. Yeah. I mean, that was the point, right? Like yeah. that I have to remind myself all the time. It's like, wait, <laughs> you know, you're doing this, 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 you're, you know, you're, you're working on this person's project. Now you're doing this. You're like, what about, well, didn't you start this to, to, so that you could like, take ownership over your own career and like make art. So totally. Well, and even just for like mental health, like even just for keeping yourself in a state where you feel like, you know, you're doing something you enjoy doing rather than doing something you feel obligated to be doing. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a little bit of that. Like, I don't think any of us, if given the choice would choose to be on social media, promoting our work or like, you know, I think we would all as artists probably choose to just be making art and sharing mm. it with people. I don't know. I kind know? of find it addictive in a way. The the social media stuff? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I the guess I do too, people, but the... yeah, that's true. I guess so. But yeah, that's probably true. But there's just so much of it. Like, mm-hmm. I guess where it starts, like I am enjoying Twitter right now, to be honest. I do enjoy right. it. But what I do, I'm not enjoying Instagram. No. I'm not enjoying, you know, I haven't, I've like, haven't done anything on YouTube in, in a long time. I haven't done anything on TikTok. Like YouTube, I, I started doing a sort of explainer video kind of thing, which okay. I do find fun. Yeah. Um, like breaking down async and then breaking down crypto and NFTs, trying to trying to bridge that world, you know, yeah. like get some of the, the folks that have been with me since 2006 to come over into the world of NFTs and blockchain. And I don't know what your experience has been with, with, getting, with, with getting that like, that existing audience to come over and join you and play in this new world. But on my, I've been in NFTs from the start. So I, I didn't have to work from the other side of it. Wait, how long have you been making NFTs? Um, I started in maybe it was May last May, 2020, something like that. Uh, so I'm you... a teacher, right? Oh, um, I, okay. I just, I, I write for Cointelegraph. I, I haven't written lately for them, oh. but I was a writer for Cointelegraph. And then I found out about NFT art. I knew about like crypto kitties and stuff like that, but I didn't know about it as a fine art. And I was just like, this is freaking cool. And so then I just started doing it. Whoa. So you didn't make art before? I'm an art major. I was an art. I studied art. Oh, okay. But I didn't really make art professionally. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Oh my God. Yeah. It's very cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you didn't have to worry about like bridging the two worlds. There was no other world. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like all that's my art how is in is. the NFT world, basically. Yeah. Well, I, f- I feel like that's kind of how it is for most of us who mm-hmm. did have, you know, uh, 
a different kind of career in whatever it is that we're doing prior to starting in, you know, creating NFTs. Like, it's kind of like all the people that, that support me in this world and that, that collect my work in this world, mm -hmm. they're all new. They're all new. Right, yeah, it's like building an entirely new identity, right? Yeah, yeah, because the crossover doesn't really happen. No. Like there, I thought that there would be a lot of people from my existing audience that would want to uh, pick up, say it's possible in one mm -hmm. form or another, like even just the limited edition records, which are kind of like a snapshot of whatever, of whatever version the mix is in at that time. Like mm -hmm. you, you, you get a blank record. And then like, when you hear a mix, you like you, you mint it then. And it's really cool. And I thought, man, it's, it's, and the entry point is like 0.033 ETH. So it's really accessible. Right. And they also offer a credit card option because I think they were thinking, you know, Oops. that it would, you know, they were thinking that it would be, more accessible than to people who maybe weren't ready to get into crypto, but still wanted to do this. And then you have like a custodial wallet and sure. but it's, I think the whole thing is intimidating mm -hmm. to people who aren't into it already. And so, yeah, I thought that people would want to get in on that project, but I, there's even when I tried to, I have a discord and, and I'm now just now getting really active on it, mm -hmm. but I started it when oh, I see was, now I feel like I have to make a discord again. You probably do, man. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but Crap. well, I started mine when I was just no Twitch. TikTok, Okay. Just no TikTok. Well, I know I probably have to, I, I feel like I'm gonna be like, are you, are you doing, I'm going to like be, be like DMing you and being like, how's that TikTok going? <laughs> Every time I'll feel TikToks. a pang of guilt and pressure. No, no, I won't do that. But, but I mean, I had to make Discord because I was on Twitch, and Twitch is another oh, one where, okay. where that like the sort of community aspect of Twitch is yep. all centered around Discord. And so, I had the Discord, but I wasn't, you know, it was a couple hundred members or whatever, and I never really got that active on it. But now I'm like, okay, actually, really glad I have it because now I need to get more active on it because I want to do stuff with like token gated channels and and like having some of my pieces be entry to certain experiences on the discord, like live mm, concerts and live That's events. cool. Yeah. Talk about that. So how would that work <laughs> then where like, would people purchase an NFT and that would then give them access to that channel to then yeah. attend this event? Exactly. Yeah. So, so you can do live streaming on discord and right. audio quality, depending on, you know, your server settings can be pretty good. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can set up, they have these stage channels now. And so you can set it up so people can come listen to a live a live performance and you wow, can Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, you can token gate any channels you want with like the Collabland oh. bot. And so what happens is that people sign in with their wallets and then the if the token is in the wallet then they can access the channel and if it's not then they can't. So, so that's on your side of it easy like seamless like you're not having to yeah. do a lot of work on that. No, it's not like you have to let people in one by one or anything. Like you just have to know how to program the bot. And, right. um, and then you have to, you know, the, but the cool thing is that like my vision for it is that the folks who are on there from before, mm -hmm. the folks who are not into crypto, mm -hmm. not into NFTs, don't have a, a wallet or any of that stuff, um, you can assign a role. Like essentially the Collabland bot just assigns a role based on if you have a token in your wallet. So you can also just assign a role to the channel. And so those folks who don't have, NFTs can, but, but who've been part of my community can have that sort of OG role and they can okay. still come in. Cause so they kind of get like whitelisted you know? or whatever you call that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, and I want to like, that's, that's like, I don't, I don't want to leave people behind, you know, mm -hmm. just because they're not into a certain technology. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's fair. So like I have these, you know, I have a Patreon and I feel like I was thinking like, maybe I'll just close the Patreon and I'm like, no, because I can use the Patreon to be sort of like, 
the token for the people that sure. aren't into NFTs. So yeah, so I'll start doing, you know, live events and, and giveaways and things like that. But I tried to give away to like my, to just thank my OG audience for being there. I tried to give them mm. um, a silver record. Like I, I was like first five people who DM me your wallet address, get a silver record. And like one person out of the 250 that were there took me up on it. Because like, they were just oh. mostly people who have never uh, done any of that kind of stuff, making a yeah. wallet or whatever. They were like, I don't understand any of this. And I'm right. like, don't worry about it. <laughs> it is daunting though, you know, like it's it still is. at a point where, you know, for the average person, it's still intimidating. I mean, friend of mine just the other day is asking me, okay, so there's this dip. How do I buy Ethereum? And I had to walk him through it. Yeah. Never done it yet, right? Yeah. It's like, you probably should have listened to me back in March about two, three years ago when I told you to do this, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. But um, yeah, but yeah it it's, is intimidating. It's, it's, and you know, I mean, part of it, I'm not necessarily mad at the fact that the, that it isn't super easy to, to jump right in because yeah, yeah. it's a risky and somewhat treacherous space at times. And I feel yes. like anybody getting into it should really understand what they're into. And I think that the fact that it's not just like, you know, plug and play, there you go. Now you've got crypto. Like, I don't think it should be like that. Like, I think people need to understand what they're doing and, and the real implications of having full control and full, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, power over your, you know, true autonomy and decentralization means nobody can help you if you, if you mm -hmm. screw up, you know? Well, have you seen this recently where there's been tokens that have been airdropped oh God, into people's yes. wallets? And it's then terrifying. if you interact with the token, they yep. can like access your wallet. I mean, yep. most of them have been removed from like MetaMask or whatever, like so you you won't see them. But, but, but that just means there's more coming. I mean, yeah. like unfortunately, there are really smart people in this space yes. that are constantly looking to exploit weaknesses, you know, yeah. and ex you know exploit the vulnerabilities. Um, and that one, I feel so horrible for people terrible. That, that that happened to, you know. Well, and you wouldn't sucks. imagine that it would be possible. Mm -mm. Right? Nope. Like if uh, for listeners, just to understand if you do get a token in your MetaMask oh that you don't recognize it, you don't know where it's from, do not do anything with it. Don't nope. send it anywhere. Don't burn it. Nope. Don't trade it anywhere. Don't send it to another wallet because it executes a smart contract that enables them to basically clean out your wallet. Well, and what they do is they sometimes they I think they were dropping it in and then somebody would bid on it. Mm. So you're just like, yeah, let me accept this, mm -hmm. this crappy bid just to get this piece of crap out of my wallet because mm -hmm. I didn't want this anyway. Like I didn't buy this like, oh, and someone wants to buy it. Great. Yeah, buy it. Sure. And then they yeah. And then what you're doing is you think you're signing one thing, but they've snuck this little tiny bit of code in and you're not mm -hmm. reading the whole thing every time you sign it. You're just signing off like you would on any other, you know, any other bid. Sure. Like you would accept any other bid. And next thing you know, it basically like sucks everything out of your wallet. And it's crazy because even a hard wallet doesn't protect you from that. It doesn't because you're still giving it permission. Yep. Yep. You're signing off on it. So it shows on the blockchain, it shows that you signed off on this, on this uh, contract, yep. on this transaction. And it's terrifying. The only but... thing that can really be done about it is say MetaMask remain vigilant and watch for these and, you know, mm. basically make it so they're not visible in your wallet because they're technically there, but they're just making it so you don't see them as far as I know. Right. If there was a layer. Yeah. Like if they, cause there's nothing you can do to prevent, like, that's the thing. OpenSea can't prevent this. Like if somebody it's, if someone puts, you know, they, they can't prevent it from being. No. 
deposited into your wallet. There's nothing to do right. about that. But they could put a layer in that blocked anything that you didn't actually explicitly request right. or buy. Right. And that would actually be awesome because I hate all that crap. Well, that I know with some of the malicious ones, what was happening was they would just not show up in the interface in MetaMask. You just wouldn't see them. Oh. So wow. they're there. But, you, but they're protecting you by making it so that you don't even see that it's there. As far as now, hey, someone can correct me on that. That was my impression. But so it was still showing up on OpenSea, and that's where people were. Well, it was something it? where they kind of have to basically be keeping up with this and basically making it so that they're not showing. Like they will show up initially when oh, they first right. drop there. Right. Right. God, that's terrible. It's brutal. Yeah, it is scary because I mean, I think you know, people like you and me, we've spent a lot of time and effort even just on our own creations, never mind the ones I've collected over the time, Yeah. right? To, to have that all just like vanish would be, well, it would be devastating, honestly. Well, and not only that, but you know, you're talking about certain things in people's collections that are real assets. Yeah. Like in addition to the art, you know, yeah, we love the art, but then there's things like there's things I buy, not because I, you know, am necessarily totally enamored with the art, but because I think it's a good investment, mm -hmm. you know? Sure. And so then there goes that money. I mean, like, you know, bored apes and stuff. It's like, we're talking about the value of someone's home in yeah. one NFT, Yes. you know? And, um, and that, I mean, I have friends that have gotten scammed and mm. usually it's user error. Like that's the one yeah. good thing is that it is almost always user error. However, the, the scammers are so sophisticated at this point. Yes. Like I know yeah. someone who like, they went through like a six hour con where it was like, you know, convincing this person that they were customer service at, at one of the big platforms and talking him through stuff and even just being like, oh, hold on, you know, we, we're helping someone else right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can like you, they you know, got it all dramatized, right? Yep. The whole thing dramatized, you know, just like little step by little step mm -hmm. by little step by little step. So you just have to be so careful. And it's hard because like my my hypervigilance at this point is is up to like 11 and I don't yes. like feeling that way. No, it does put you on edge. <laughs> yeah, I'm so on edge. Like when you just go to like log into your MediaMask, you're like, I hope I'm not doing something wrong. Oh my God, you don't, and don't <laughs> click on anything. Like one of my friends yeah. sent me a friend request on Discord yesterday and I'm uh -huh. just like, you know, on WhatsApp, is this really you? Yeah, I yeah. Got this. And she's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? Like, Yes, it's me, and I'm like, oh, but you see, you can't count on that because nope. they're, you know, they're they're replic they're they're copying your user profile image and like mm -hmm. making a fake Discord account, and then like, you know, <laughs> well, that's like these people on Facebook where it'll be like, you know, what was your <laughs> mother's maiden name? You know, <laughs> it's like, why are you telling them that, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my God, you mean like like the Facebook quizzes and stuff? Yeah, 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 and oh people God. just willfully hand over their personal information to these stupid wow. Facebook quizzes. It's like, I guys, never saw they're, one that was they're like taking that. your information. What I, was your I'm first social security number? Yeah, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. What was your first pet's name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they do ask stuff like that, right? Oh my God, so you bad. Know? And people say, oh, my favorite dog was Fluffy. I love no. Fluffy. It's like, what are you doing? But people oh, get sucked in no. by it all the time. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's dangerous like, and scary and treacherous world out there, kids. Just think for a moment, why would they do that? <laughs> why yeah. would they be asking you this? I remember yeah. with those like face, those like AI like reimaginings of your face. 
you know, oh. that would like age you. Like there was this one uh -huh, uh -huh. on that right, was going yeah, around okay. for a bit. And yeah. it would, or it would like swap your face, like all these apps. And I was like, oh, I want to see what I look like when I'm 80. And I did it. And my husband was like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> they're capturing your data, like your facial recognition data. What are you doing? And I was like, oh my God. You know, but they're I mean, developing... surely they can do that anyway because you're on Facebook all over the place or whatever. Yeah. But I think there's like, I think there were companies, I mean, like, there, it's that, it goes back to that thing where they say, like, if you're not, what is it? If you're not paying for the service or if you're, if you're not like, yeah, I know what you mean. It's yeah, if you're what is that? Um, if you're not basically if you're not paying to use something, then like you're the you're the product. you're the thing. You're the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And so you know, I think a lot of what was happening was you know companies that were specializing in you know in facial some sort of you know facial yes. recognition or I AI whatever. That. And I yeah. think they were probably developing their algorithms and developing their technology by you know working with all these free faces. And it probably sure. wasn't like malicious, like making a data database of your face to, but but maybe it was i don't really know don't know yeah. like i know i mean we won't go too deep into this but i know people are like with those dna tests like there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that are just like don't do that because what they're basically doing is keeping track of your dna figuring like figuring out what your medical vulnerabilities are so they can like sell the cure back to you at some point or like mm -hmm. have that on record to market to you what you might need or for insurance companies or whatever yeah so anyway right. huh wow you know lighter lighter topic yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we actually met via Clubhouse. Yes. Because, of course, with the Guild, you were hosting a Clubhouse. And you've just recently been kind of taking on this role with Async as yeah. like a Clubhouse, like a media host type of thing. What's the actual title of the role? Um, That's a really good, that's a really good question. I think it it would be sort of like a community community manager kind okay. of um. Yeah. Kind of role but it's a little different like i'm 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 part-time i'm still uh -huh. an independent artist i'm not um it's important to me and and they're amazing with this like they understand the reason that i even you know wanted to do it was because of my experience as an artist on async mm -hmm. so it's really important to me that i like maintain my independent artist status as yes. opposed to like a permanent employee status yeah that um, makes sense. yeah just i mean whether it whether it means that, you know, six and one half dozen to the other, it's like whether it actually No, I think there's a lot way. of value in that, especially after have what you went through with uh, the record labels. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, I need to, yeah, I need to be able to move through the world as like my own, as my own self and mm -hmm. my own artist. But, um, and they're amazing about that. They're like, of course, like we want you to be making art and doing what you do. And like, mm -hmm. you know, that's why you're valuable to us, you know? And so, um, so they're very understanding and, and, and supportive of everything I want to do creatively. How, how did that come up? Like, how did you get into that position? Well, I think what happened was after, after I did my async project, I ended up going like all the clubhouse rooms and all the Twitter spaces everywhere where I, where I would show up and I was pretty active in those places, you know, Every, the minute I would go into a room on Clubhouse, everybody, somebody on stage would be like, oh, Tara's here. Tell us about Async, mm, you know? Okay, okay. Because uh, all the artists are really, you know, the artist community is really excited and intrigued by it and also sure. confused by it and doesn't yes. understand it really. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself just going into room after room after room, constantly explaining Async and hmm. and enjoying it and also enjoying other, you know, the enjoying the process of helping other artists kind of... Um, uh, visualize what their project might look like and, and just really loving everything that, that async was creating as far as giving creators a tool 
or access to tools that that otherwise would be inaccessible to them, you know, without knowing all kinds of complex coding. And sure. so, um, so it just kind of happened really organically. Like I think at one point I tweeted something about like how the most exciting thing about my project is that it's actually a generative traits project because you're looking at like the rare, you know, the rarity traits of, mm -hmm. you know, of the limited edition silver, gold and platinum records. You're looking mm -hmm. at the rarity traits of like who owned the stems at that point, because their name will be on the front of that record plaque. You're looking at the rarity traits of like which one of the 480 versions have you minted and how many other people have that version? Mm -hmm. And there's all these rarity traits in the project. And nobody was really talking about that um, because it's just all so new. And I, and I kind of came to that just like, I just sort of started to, to think of it and like, oh, this is what this is. And mm -hmm. I tweeted something about that. And someone, someone on the social media at async was like, you know, Tara gets it, be more like Tara. And then I was, you know, <laughs> just kind of joking. And then I tweeted back like, oh, great. Now all the kids are going to hate me, you know? And, um, <laughs> and now all the other kids up. are going to, yeah. They're like, now I was like, now all the other kids are going to hate me. And, Teacher's uh, pet. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I like, and then I tweeted something like, um, I mean, this is, isn't this like the perfect story? It's like, it all went down on Twitter. Um, <laughs> then I tweeted something like, I should probably just come work for you all because like, it's all I ever talk about. And then they uh -huh. were just like, Hmm. And then I was like, hmm. and then, yeah. And then I think I emailed, uh, I emailed Lisa, one of the founders and I was just like, so about, I wasn't Twitter. actually joking about that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I kind of was. And then when I said it out loud, I was like, this could actually, actually work. Yeah. 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 yeah huh. So, and then it just kind of, we, you know, we had a couple meetings and I met with some other folks on the team and talked about stuff and, you know, worked it out and here I am. That's awesome. So now as you're basically, what I've seen is you're hosting it on Clubhouse mostly. Are you also doing it on Twitter spaces? Yep. We're doing um, Clubhouse Friday mornings at 11 a.m. Pacific in the Async Art Club and mm -hmm. Twitter spaces on Monday evenings at 6 p.m. Pacific. Oh, okay. I'll yeah. have to drop into the Monday evening ones. Friday I would ones, love I'm, that. I'm, busy. I'm, I'm on my day job, so I can't do that. Ah, uh, yes. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, and there's a Google form for any async artists who are listening. There's a Google form linked in the um, in the artist uh, channel on the async Discord. And that's where folks can submit to be featured. Because oh, what I like really? to do is sort of feature oh, okay. a piece of, like feature a piece, mm -hmm. and then use that that feature to, first of all, bring attention to the artist and the art they've created. And then also sort of use that as a jumping off point to talk about different features on async. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if, if the piece uses the 24 hour template, or if the piece uses the, you know, the um, different, the, the states template, or if it uses the layers template, um, we talk about, we kind of enter into discussions about the creation tools, the creative mm -hmm. tools on async through the lens of viewing different artists work. Very cool. So let me um, ask you your uh, unbiased opinion, which do you prefer Twitter spaces or clubhouse? God, uh, it's, a, it's such a hard one. Are you one. allowed to say, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, you know, I, there's things about Twitter spaces that make so much more sense to me. Mm. And there's things that I think Clubhouse didn't do, like allow us to have links in our bios. Mm -hmm. And like, like we're not, you know, there's no way it's, everything's a little It's like Instagram that way, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, like why you can't, can't link I in the post. connect to these things? Because they want you to, they want the person to stay in yes. the app, right? Yeah. I mean, it's simple, right? Like, it's like, okay, they want us to stay here. They don't want us clicking out into other places. 
But what that does is like, it's so much easier on Twitter that it makes me just like, it makes Twitter so much more streamlined. And like, you, you know, on Clubhouse- you're, Here's the you're irony doing... is that you never end up using that app then because it's less useful. Exactly. You would actually be in the app more exactly. if they allowed you to click out of the app. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit about that because everybody, like there is a big sort of migration, I think over to Twitter spaces, because first of all, it was never gatekept. It was never like, right. you know, and while the early wave of users really liked that, that mm -hmm. exclusivity, the rest of us didn't, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's great. You had a little exclusive club for like <laughs> most of 2020 um, yep. and part of 2021. And like, cool, I understand catering to influencers to kind of like, boost your initial, like the desirability of wanting to be on the platform. But I kind of think that is not the ethos that a lot of people like, right. especially not in the space that we're in, where it's like right. all about kind of, you know, uh, opportunities that can be accessible to anyone and like code that can be, you know, the whole coding community, everything's like on GitHub and like, mm -hmm. there's a real collective uh, mentality and spirit in the space that that kind of doesn't jive with in a way. But anyway, um, I don't know. I like them both. I still like Clubhouse um, for <laughs> for certain things, and mm -hmm. and I still think there's you know good community happening over there. But Twitter Spaces is definitely just so much easier, you know, to to share things with people. Yeah, I mean, if there if any of those folks are listening, you know, think about it from this. You know, I find it interesting with Twitter where. I don't know if you've experienced this where you have to kind of play with engagement on stuff. Like, mm. for example, if I put up a piece of art without any explanation, no text, nothing, just a picture, I get way more engagement than if I like have it linked to say my known origin or if I have it mm -hmm. linked to, or if I have hashtags or whatever, it'll be less. If I just put in a picture, I'll have like, you know, 20, 30 likes. If I make it a link to something, it gets like five likes. Same That's exact so content. Yeah. And I, I, someone was telling me the reason is they want you to stay on Twitter. They don't want you to click through. My argument is make it easy for people to engage in other things through Twitter mm. and they'll come back to Twitter. Yeah. I think that's I think that's right. Yeah. By the way, I'm just I was just clicking through and looking at some of your art on OpenSea. Mm. That's so nice. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Obviously I saw the layer. I saw your Part of the guild but yeah that was cool. totally like just an abstract thing i, I you know uh, i kind mm -hmm. of actually had a little out of my wheelhouse doing abstract huh. work yeah this is beautiful your work is beautiful thank you very much i can't wait to see the sabbat collab as well yeah it's in there somewhere it's if you scroll down in my twitter i think i posted it a couple of days ago oh oh so it's like a recent it's a new well one? i we had put it out i want to i feel like it was a month ago and it was a three of three we sold one of them so there's two of them. So every yeah. once in a while, I just boop, I put it up there. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm it was a, it was a cool experience with that one. But I basically what happened was he was on my podcast, oh. right? And I was just like, oh, I love your art. It's so cool. You know, basically just like totally fanboy. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I was like, you know, after the show, I was like, you know, I just love doing this feminine portrait stuff. If I could draw some female portraits could you do something with it and he's like yeah sure so i did like three different portraits right and i thought maybe he'd do something with one of them what he did is he took all three of them stitched them together oh, and then I did see it now. okay and then he did all his contour with it oh that's beautiful then, thank you 
he sent the black and white to me and then I did all the colorization. I love this. Oh my God. Wow, yeah, that, it's that so was, beautiful. That was a fun piece to do. The Ooh, black and I'm white actually right looks now. really cool too. I bet it does. I'm just looking mm. right now on um, Unknown Origin and seeing mm. that is so nice. Oh my gosh, beautiful. It's Thank really you. beautiful. I was noticing you also have some stuff back to you. Oh. <laughs> on, <laughs> on OpenSea, you have some, some work. You have uh, Flowers and Bugs and Music is one of them. <laughs> that's it's funny. Cool. Those were like. And then you have variations on Hick at Nunk of that, it says. Yeah. I, you know, I was kind of testing different stuff and playing with different stuff kind of mm -hmm. early, early on. And um, do you ever feel like when you mint something, you're like, and you're kind of like, eh, like, should you burn it? Should you just leave it? Like, I always kind of wonder if I've done something. Because I was really experimenting a lot in the early Sure, my early like my stuff. early stuff, I look back and I'm like, what was I thinking? Yeah, but I'm really someone that <laughs> believes in just like jumping in and mm -hmm. seeing what happens. Yeah, I've just left them. I've burned very few. Yeah, I think I'm just going to leave them too. Because I feel like at some point, it's like, you know, if they don't sell immediately initially, at some point when other things kind of take off, then people go back and I've you know... had stuff sell like seven, eight months later. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I wouldn't burn it just because yeah. it's not clicking right now. That doesn't mean right. it won't click for somebody tomorrow. Yeah. It has to, it has to like... find the right collector. That's all. But even if you're not like doing like if even if you're kind of like, eh, I could have done that better. Or like, you know, just leave it up there anyway, you think? Don't you think, though, that's just the nature of being an artist, that you're going that's to true. naturally think that about that's previous true. work? You're going to go, you should be. I mean, yeah. if you're just in the exact same spot you were, say, yeah. five years ago. <laughs> that's true. And I mean, to be honest, I really love those flowers and bugs and music. They're like, cute. I they're, like the music with them. Yeah. Again, it does have that reactive element to it where the music yeah. fits what's happening. Yeah, that's what, yeah. I like. I liked it. I had a really fun time, like, making the making the music and making the art for it. So I'll just leave them up there. And it, I have sold It sounds a few to of me them. like you're, you don't feel terribly happy with them. Well, no, I think it's just like, I think it's just trying to figure out because like, okay, with visual art, I started out as a kid doing visual art. Sure. And when I went to college for music, I was deciding between music and, and visual art. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going for music. And then, you know, at that point, people were like, you know, you have to choose one thing. You can't do everything. You can't do two things even. You know, now it's like multi-hyphenate is like yeah. common. But at the time it was like, you know, you have to choose you one specialize. thing. And so, yeah, you got to specialize. Like, and, and so I really gave, I really stopped making visual art, you know, uh -huh. and I have, you know, I have all this stuff in my parents' basement, all this, like all of my sculpting stuff and all of my, you know, old tools and paints and things like that. And I just, I never, didn't ever get rid of them, but I kind of really stopped. And then, I mean, occasionally I would do stuff like I started illustrating a children's book a couple of years ago and like doing things mm -hmm. just for fun, but I never really put my visual. I oh, wrote I a children's book and I've never actually illustrated it. Really? Oh, that's yep. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wrote and, and painted it and it's, it's pretty cool, um, but I haven't finished it. But like, aside from something like that random, I never... I never like put my my visual art out there and I and I pretty much stopped working on it. So when I aside from like album covers and stuff which I still did. But mm -hmm. um but this, you know, at the end of last year when I started thinking, wow, you know, maybe there's a path for me to do multiple things that I love and and maybe I can take, you know, my music and I can actually create 
things for my music, you know, mm -hmm. to, to, for the, for all this music that I make all the time, I can actually, there's like a, there's like a, a path now to be able to share it with people and for it to actually have value to people, you know? And so I um, started just making stuff, but I'm really still finding my way as far as like how I want to put myself out there visually, you know? Isn't that a good thing um, though? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm less secure about it. Like, you know, with mm. my music, I'm like, sure. with music, I'm like, You're I can do anything. I, yeah. yeah, like I know exactly who I am. I totally have full confidence in my abilities. I'm like, right. you know, but with my visual art, I'm less, um, I mean, it's, I'm less seasoned at it. It's sure. newer to me. And I think that it's going to evolve a lot in the, in the coming, you know, year or so as I just do more and more of it. But like, I'm working on this one collection now that's, um, it's based on the bubbles stuff, but it's like, mm -hmm. and actually Sabet has been helping me. It's, it's amazing. He, mm. he actually encouraged me to do a collectibles collection, a handmade, you know, handmade collectibles that, you know, are audiovisual, like what I'm doing, but he really helped okay. me like with the direction of it uh -huh. and, um, and was like, has been sort of like a mentor to me and he's amazing in that way in many ways. But, and that's like one, one thing that's really special, um, to me uh, he's about... just one of those people that just lifts people up right he does yes yeah he's incredible yeah. yeah and i feel so lucky to to you know work with him in that way and like yep. he's really like a mentor you know mm -hmm. and um and so i'm working on it and i'm excited about it and i'm gonna start releasing it soon but i feel like you know i'm just always kind of going ah, is this as good as it needs to be is this like you know what i mean like i'm just so critical and i'm not it's like i'm very critical of everything i do mm -hmm. but i'm more critical of my visual art because it's just um because i just haven't i mean i haven't had a professional 15-year career in it sure you know whereas with music i have <laughs> so still as a professional musician yeah. you must surely have times where you make something and you're like nah that was crap and you discard it no i mean i think most of i have a really hard time with all with everything i do to be honest <laughs> like i, okay. I what mean, i mean is you must sometimes <laughs> make something and at the time you think it's good and then maybe a week later you look you listen to it and you're like yeah i don't know if i like that, Does that um happen? it doesn't happen that often because usually nope. at this point if i'm starting down a path Mm -hmm. where I kind of don't feel that excitement in it, then I just kind of stop versus, oh, okay. you know, like, um, like I've kind of, I kind of know when I'm onto something mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I kind of also, I'm, I mean, also I'm just like, you know, I'm a professional at that now. Sure. So it's like, I know when I have an idea musically, I know how to execute it in such a way that I'm going to like the outcome. Sure. You okay. know, and if I, if I guess where that comes up more is if I'm co-writing or something with somebody mm, and they, mm -hmm, you know, mm. we're working on an idea and I just don't feel, I just don't feel like it's going to go anywhere that I like, you know, then, then, and then at that point there, there's definitely situations in that. And I don't do a lot of co-writing for that reason. I just, I, well, it, it leads to awkward me. moments, right? <laughs> I mean, it can be really like, this really is fun. awesome. I love it. Uh, you're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it can be that way. It just doesn't, it doesn't really inspire me. Cause usually when you're co-writing, you're, you're doing it like with the goal of like, how can I make something that's going to be recorded by this pop artist that, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's not, um, it's a side of the industry that I don't really like. Right. And okay. so I, it can be fun, like figuring out a puzzle, like kind of trying to figure out what's the most commercial thing we could do here. Like what's the mm. thing that's going to like, you know, that's going to like hook them in here. Like what's Grab the people. thing? But, yeah. yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't really, that's not really why I started creating and it doesn't really inspire me. Right. So I never really 
went down that path too far, but, but mm -hmm. there have been times, there are people I enjoy writing with. I have a couple of friends that I really do love writing with. And, um, when we get the opportunity to do that, it just, it definitely is harder for me than just writing by myself because yeah, I could see that, totally. you know, that and those sense. are the moments when maybe I end up with something where I'm kind of like, nah, you know, I don't love this. Like, <laughs> But I guess if you like it, we can submit it, yeah. you know. <laughs> I've had art like that where I made it. I'm like, I liked it at the time. You yeah. mint it. And then like, you know, a week or two later, uh, you're like, I don't know if I really like that piece. Uh, and then somebody buys it. They're like, uh, I love it. I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know I what I mean? I've had that happen with art too. Yeah. I've had that happen with uh, art. So yeah. it's like, they bought that piece? I got like 400 <laughs> pieces and they bought that piece? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Oh God, I know. Uh, it's funny. I know. So, do you have other collections on OpenSea, or is this it? Um. Well, I have the, I have the flowers and bugs, yes. but that, but that's. I mean, I'm not really doing more of that. I have the bubbles. Right. Um, right. Anything that I have up right now, I'm not really adding to. I'm gonna okay, be. Okay. Those are kind of my older things, and then the the collection that I'm gonna be doing, and I'm kind of trying to decide if I'm gonna do it on my own smart contract, mm -hmm. um, like on my website, like you get, you know, make a contract and then mm -hmm. through, because especially if I want to token gate stuff, it's going to be a little mm -hmm. bit harder, I think for me to, I guess I can do it piece by piece. And then, but with OpenSea, if I, if I did one contract, then I can just make it like my own contract. Then I can mm -hmm. just token gate a channel on my discord so that anybody with any, anybody with anything on that contract can come in mm -hmm. versus like having to go piece by piece through OpenSea. Right. and token gate it that way. Do you know what I, I mean? See. Yeah. Okay. Cause the open sea contract is just one big old contract with like right. all these different pieces minted on it. Mm -hmm. And, um, the newer, and that like also, 1155 thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you make your own contract, then you can actually, you have, there's a, there's a lot of reasons to do that, but, um, it's sort of the next, maybe the next thing that people are going to be doing more of, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. I should maybe investigate that too. Great. Now I got to make a Discord community. I, I got to make my own. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You got to look into making your own smart contracts. <laughs> it's too much. I know. It's too, I know. It's a lot. I, mean, I was noticing it says you're on Maker's Place, but I went to your Maker's Place and I don't see anything there. What's going on? I don't Are have just, anything on there just, yet. You're just not. Too you know many what? things go, going on. Too many things going on. I okay. haven't released a new collection yet. I haven't mm -hmm. been, you know, I've been working on some other stuff and kind of, I've been working on a generative project and mm -hmm. kind of putting, putting some of my one of one type stuff aside. I've been working on that collectible project and figuring mm -hmm. out how to move forward with that. So I got a little overwhelmed. I haven't been minting that much lately at all. Um, and, and I'm really, I'm unclear about how some of these platforms that charge, you know, 15% mm -hmm. and like, what is the benefit? Like mm. I kind of, I think initially, you know, I put stuff up, stuff up on foundation right. and with, with collaborations, it's been good because you can split the wallets, yep. but if you have a, your own smart contract, you can also do that. Um, but like, aside from being able to split wallets, I kind of don't see the value in minting on a platform that takes 15% of your sales and really, unless you happen to be somebody that gets featured, but that doesn't happen that often, you know, right. it happens to very few of us. Mm -hmm. Like what is the real benefit to minting on those other platforms? I, I guess the argument is the visibility, visibility, uh, you but know, is it more visible to, or are foundation, you just bringing... I would say not. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I, uh, I, when foundation was new, I was all about foundation. I was super into yeah, it. And me too. 
Um, I don't know. I think it's had it's, it's past its prime. I mean, maybe that's ne negative to say. I just don't see what what some of these platforms do to justify taking that amount of money. It's a large amount. Yeah. You know, and I don't see anyone like any sales I've had on foundation have been people that I've, you know, have been through my own. They were going to buy from you piece. anyway. Right. Kind of thing. Right. Like so why wouldn't I just do you. it on OpenSea? Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I kind of like have been thinking more about OpenSea and then I was sort of thinking more about like just making my own contract that, and then it will show up automatically on OpenSea. So like, mm -hmm. uh, so like making my own contract, minting it from my website and then um, the secondaries go right to OpenSea. And I've been dabbling with this Koi network, full disclosure. They are sponsored sponsor of the it? podcast. Oh, <laughs> what is it? Koi? Koi dot network. It's kind of cool. It's a different like approach. K-O-I? K-O-I-I. 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 Tell me about it. Um, it's, it's a different approach. They're, basically what they're doing is um, you can get um, token revenues from people looking at your art. Or in the case of music, listening to your music. So yeah. if you go to their galleries, I can show you if you want later. Um, if you go to their galleries, basically what happens is uh, if someone views my art, I get token rewards for it. Now, if someone, they're enabling different features. One of the things they're working on is making it so they can be straight out purchased. They don't have that enabled yet. But someone could purchase my art if they think they can get more views, they can then purchase it and then they'll get the token revenues. That's interesting. It. It's kind of a different approach because as opposed to just being that one person buying the art, it's more about looking at the art and right, that's what happens with art or with music, listening to the music. And yeah. then from that, you get the token. They're, they're early stages still, but they have huh. some big, big people on there. Kevin Abosh is one of the artists on the platform. Huh. Um, Romero that's actually just recently joined it. I had him on my show. That's really, um, it's that's cool. interesting. Yeah. It's like rewarding curators, basically. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it's, and, and it's, that's really cool. The other and thing like, that's really yeah. cool with it, that's unique, is that when you mint the art on there, it's called an atomic NFT. Because you know how if you mint on, say, whatever you're minting on, it doesn't actually have the actual image file on the blockchain. Right. Okay, but with the Koi Network, it does. It actually huh. mints it on Arweave blockchain. It uses Arweave. I don't Arweave. know that one. Um, what is Arweave? A-R-W-E-A-V-E. -E. Basically, the whole idea. Chain? No, it's a whole it's, it's whole blockchain of its own. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and it's more about like data storage type approach. Um, oh. I think the, basically, the idea being when you mint there, the actual image is minted. Like... It's not just huh. a token pointing to an image right. that's on IPFS or whatever. Right. The actual image is minted, meaning huh. I could then take that image and I can put it on like my website or you could put it on your website. And when people view it, I still get revenues from it because it's an atomic NFT. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, there's some pretty that's cool stuff. That's really with it. cool. It's what are the file limits for? What are right the... now they're small. Right now yeah. they're small, like yeah. a couple, few megabytes. It's not yeah. big. You know, yeah. I, I I see that improving. Uh, yeah. It is one of the things that kind of holds you back a little bit is the file size. Yeah, sure. I mean it's and it and it makes sense if you're having something that's like 100% on chain, then like you really yeah. you really, it's a struggle to to have all that. And that's one of the things like 
like I really love a lot of the art on Hicketnunk, for example. Mm-hmm. But like, it, it's so glitchy. It's and I know so that like, slow. <laughs> it's so slow. And like half the time, the stuff doesn't open. And I'm like, oh man, you know, I want to see yeah. my collection or like yes. I want to go pick up this generative piece or whatever. And like, I think it's great, especially for generative art. And a lot of the generative artists are over there because it's all on chain, right? Yes. But like, it's so glitchy. Yeah. Well, and if you happen to buy something that's like, say, 20 megabytes, like, forget <laughs> about it. Your entire gallery shuts down, basically. Totally. Like, you right? can never see your piece. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I own this. I collected this. I'm pretty I sure it's here. Yeah, yeah. I bought it. I mean, I, yeah. and, and then also it's really, really confusing the way they do it, like, with swapping and like the, mm, like the terminology. Mm, mm, like, I find yes. the user interface so off-putting. It and is. I'm like, really comfortable with all this stuff. Yes. I'm really comfortable. Like, no, I, I, I'm with you. You know, like I wrote a manual in 2016 or 17, whenever I guess 17, and like on like how to get in on the on the EOS presale using a uh-huh. VPN. Like I like I was I'm comfortable in this world, and I was just like Hickenunk is hard to use. <laughs> well, here, here this is actually okay. And again, I am sponsored by them, so you know I'm I'm spouting off about them. Yeah. This is another kind of cool thing about them, though. Okay, because it's an atomic NFT, I can actually move it from Arweave to Ethereum or to the Binance chain or to other blockchains. Huh. I can move it to Tezos. They're putting in the, that's not available now. They're those are all improvements. How does that work? Because the NFT is a token. Like the art is a token. So you just move it onto another chain? It's interoperable. Like, how would you do that? Like well, I mean technically like how would It's like, like it's a bridging like? they they're building bridging mechanisms. Oh, they're building okay. a bridge that'll make it so it can actually be moved. Okay. Like, okay, like the bridge between like ETH and Polygon, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they're working on bridging tools. I don't know what stage they're at with that right now because I, you know, I don't keep up with all the technical stuff. I've just it's made really some cool. art on the platform, right? It's really so, neat. It's, it's cool. I, I'm, I'm a fan. I think it has a lot of interesting potential. I, it does, like you mentioned Hick and Nunk, and I'm like, that's the perfect comparison. <laughs> Because right, right now, that's sort of what it feels like when you're on there. Okay. You're right? so you know, it feels you're kind a of little like, clunky. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Let's go. You know. But, you know, that's normal when something's new, right? Well, also, I, well, I guess the, the, the question, though, is, is that, is it normal when something's on chain? Like, is it going to mm. get, because I think that the problem, and if, and if this site is also having a similar issue, I think that, like, the issue actually is the fact that it, you know, it isn't just pointing. It's not just a hash pointing at something mm-hmm. else. It's like it's being rendered every, you know, it's it's on the cha- on the blockchain. And so does that mean, is is that just the speed of stuff on, you know, is, is Hickadunk ever going to get better? It's like, is there going to be Right, it's a good question. You know, yeah. yeah. Like, is that just actually what it is? And if you want something on chain like that, do you have to kind of like then just like adjust your expectations good of, slogan you know, hick it nunk it is what it is <laughs> here and now here and now just be here now it's, don't you know. think about the, the don't think about the quick speeds of, of platforms past yeah like i mean that's like it kind of like i i guess i'm i'm we we get used to everything continuing to evolve like faster mm-hmm, and faster mm-hmm. and faster and easier and you know but is that just kind of what it is if something's on on chain like that well i guess the trade-off like if you look at even say for example i don't know if you ever go on rarible yeah uh no not that much i mean I've when been rarible was new mm. it was not that different from hick and nunk right. it was very clunky and slow yeah now it's actually quite fast and responsive but is rarible on chain 
or it's just no it, no again it's another one of these ethereum ones where it's you know right. you know so you know i i feel like you know a lot of it is front end stuff though like it's not mm. strictly because of the on-chain side i think a lot of it okay. is front end stuff like i know talking with the ceo at koi he was saying that you know they deal with a lot of just traffic stuff because of the fact that yeah it works through traffic right through the viewing mm. of traffic right people try to abuse that right like people try to spam oh. it people try to right and oh so my God. i hate people so it's a it, the basically <laughs> it works like uh proof of real traffic is i think what they call it and basically it's looking okay what's authentic traffic that's viewing oh, this because God. if you think about it, if you could put something on koi and you could set up bots to like look at this uh. thing a gajillion times right you they did would... that with spotify there were yeah. people that were exploiting that with spotify yes. there were people that were making like like 10 second sure like little tracks like and then like having i mean early days in spotify there were all these like fake albums and like yes. albums of just like nothing and like people were making all this money <laughs> you know how many and, fake donda um, albums there were before oh the actual god. kanye west donda album came out like i would look on there because i'm like when is this thing coming out oh my god and there'd be like 10 donda kanye west things it's like this is not kanye west no but no but sim just similar like problem. noise tracks noise right. tracks like literally tracks of nothing mm. that people would just leave playing all the time Cage, and have you know. well but not but not even <laughs> just like like full-on exploits of yes. a vulnerability of a platform yes yeah that no kind of stuff. anyway i'm i'm expecting that that's part of the issue is mm. and they have dealt with that like he's told yeah. me like they've it's a constant thing it's it, it's very similar to like google huh. analyzing traffic it's right. a similar kind of problem wow that's interesting. Yeah, I just mm -hmm. I really wonder what how much of it is a limitation of, of just this is what it is when something's on chain and how much of it is a front end thing. Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to be really, on, yeah. I'm going to be on this panel with them. I'll plug oh. my plug and plug it. It's next week, Monday, the 27th. They're doing a full day Koi panel. Where could be, be a good question to ask. Yeah. Um, wow, I should know this probably, right? Is it when, at a conference? It's like it's all virtual. It's all on. Um, yeah on uh <clears throat> let me look it up a second because it, it's on it's announced on koi network on twitter uh at koi network it's next week yeah next week monday i'm it's gonna let's see be our guest you're invited to koi's garden party monday september 27th alongside guest speakers decline ah. kevin abosh edge of nft authentic romero and uh they're gonna be showing an idea that i came up i created basically this narcissus flower i came up with this idea here's the idea i'm gonna tell you okay oh what I said to these guys, this was months ago. I said, I want NFTs that are really genuinely like collectibles where they can actually break down if you don't take care of them. And oh. so, so say for example, you make a thousand of something and you sell them, but some of them degrade if they're not maintained. Whoa, okay? that's neat. So you might end up in like five years with two or three that are in mint condition. That is such right? a cool idea. And some of them will be neglected entirely and it will be like worthless. They'll be like low grade quality. Like a, you know, like a comic that, you know, a kid bought that was like Spider-Man number one, but they, I don't know, played with it and cut pictures out of it or whatever. It's worthless, right? But there will be some people who've kept it in pristine condition, Whoa. you know, sealed, etc. right? And so playing with those mechanics where you have oh, that's cool. a collectible, that is actually more rare than the other because that's the problem with nfts they're all the same like if you bought if you have a thousand of something they're all pristine condition 
That is such, I'm looking at it right now. Blossoms with human interaction via proofs of real traffic, withers right? without attention, blooms anew with more views. Like, so what is that layer? So in that case, with that Narcissus flower, um, what'll happen is if it gets views, it'll grow and bloom. And then if it loses attention, it'll shrivel up and die. But then what is this blooms anew with more views like a flower in the spring? Like, is that? Uh, I don't know if that one's permanent. I, you can, you, there's different mechanics you can do. Like with JavaScript, you can make it so it permanently dies or you can make it that it comes back again if it gets attention Whoa. again. And then pays the gardener and the garden. In yeah, because you get token rewards for attention. Oh, so maybe this that's just explaining like what it does. Well, mm -hmm, I don't mm -hmm. I don't fully understand. Okay. The concept Well, there's is different amazing. you have different options, right? Like oh, you could make it okay. so it I what I want to do is make ones that you're going to have to pay attention to it for it to stay in pristine condition. Yeah, that's awesome. And if you stop, it's going to degrade permanently. Okay? Like that's it. Sorry, yeah. you no longer have a pristine condition piece. But what if those end up being more rare? Like that. Well, be that's interesting neat. too, right? Because you know? what I'm, I, I can't tell you what I'm doing for it, but. I feel like uh, there's some game theory involved here because yeah. it could be you like. You could deliberately degrade it too. Yeah, because if everybody like tries to keep theirs pristine and then you're just like, let me let this thing rot. And then like, you've got this rotten NFT, like, <laughs> like it's kind of how I think about the Yetis. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, I have a Yeti in my wallet and I'm holding that thing mm -hmm. because I feel like there could be some value in just like having. But what if if you didn't look at it on a daily basis, it changed into like a mutant yeti or something? I mean, that would be awesome. It'd be cool, right? I wish they could do that. I wish they're like I'm just waiting for the thing that salvages the yetis. But even if nothing ever does, I'm like, you know, I feel like there's some value in having a crappy like the first kind of rug pull NFT. It's still, you know, it has a story. It has a story, yeah. Yep. But uh, but yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, I think that's a really great. Great, like brilliant concept. I love it. And Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So the flower, so you can get yours when it says get yours, the, the Narcissus flower by Koi Network. You designed that? You created that? I didn't design that particular flower, but oh, it's see. my concept. That's so cool. So when it says get yours now, are they saying that you get the Narcissus flower or they're saying? I think they're dropping them to the Finny wallets. Oh, that's really neat. Yeah. I oh think. yeah, get Finny, and Finny is the wallet that you need Finney to interact with Finny is the wallet, Koi. yeah, that's for Koi. That's for our, it goes on our weave, yep. Yeah. Neat. So again, like I you're right, it is slower. It is a little bit clunky at this point, but I think there's some really cool ideas there. Yeah, I'm, cool I'm, ideas. Adding an, I'm adding it right now. So good job. Um. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually a free faucet, so you don't even have to pay to mint anything on there. Wow, neat. Yeah, it's cool. really cool. Yeah, All it's right. fun. Well, it's I'm fun. I'm gonna check it out. I think Definitely. That's really neat. Hey, let's maybe wrap up with yeah. future plans. What's coming up in the near future for you? Um, in the near future, I am jumping on to a uh, a generative project that I'm really excited about. I'm right. gonna help build a community, mm -hmm. and um, it's something that hasn't been done before. So I'm I'm always looking for the next innovative thing, and it sounds like you are too. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what excites me about the space is people finding things that haven't been done before that only can exist because of blockchain and you right. know doing something really cool. So yeah, I'm jumping onto one of those to help build their community. I'm working on one of my own generative projects as well. Um, I am gonna launch this collectibles project. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a couple panels. 
and talk Sweet. about programmable music and programmable art for async. Uh, lots of stuff. So like a lot of stuff that's coming up where I'm sort of in a community building role, which is mm -hmm. interesting, you know, and um, but also then working on my own, you know, working on my own art and um, I'm working on actually I started writing this song the other day and then brought in a friend of mine who's in a really well known band um, mm -hmm. and he and I have collaborated before and um, on other stuff on, on film and TV stuff and actually one of my first NFTs on foundation we did together and he's great I love working with him and um, and so we're writing this song together now that I think it could end up being the the theme song for our whole community of That's NFT awesome. blockchain folks and. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty great. It's a pretty great song. Like it started bugging me, and I couldn't get get it to go away. So I'm like, all right, I have to write it. <laughs> and um, so yeah, I'm just working on a million things and trying to do each one of them equally well. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what's next for me is just to, to keep building out all these different aspects of creativity and career, and you know, just growing and growing and growing. And mm -hmm. like the like the flower that that doesn't. It doesn't will trying to pay attention to all the things so that none of them wither up and die <laughs> right <laughs> well wow it's been such a pleasure talking with you and again oh, you beautiful too. music i love it very thank nice. you yeah and thanks uh, so much for having me it was really yeah, fun absolutely i love it yeah for sure Great. well hey best of luck with all this stuff going on and yeah thanks. i just wish you the best with man I, you got a lot of stuff on the go Ah, uh, yeah. Well, you do too. So I'm like, I'm gonna dive into some of your stuff and koi and all these things too. It's really, really, uh, really great to connect with you um, in this extended way. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you very much, and take care. Thank you, Darren. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Non Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.